Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Good morning. My name is Brent Richmond, one of the pastors here, and um, so glad that you're here. Let me just quick, quick question. I just want to know how many of you got here in a boat today? Anybody, anybody come in a boat? Um, I, I almost did. Had to go through some some high water, but uh, it's great to get some rain. Great today that there's this break in the rain, and then um, we get more rain. And um, I don't know about you. I'm from Oregon, so I'm kind of done with the rain already. <laughs> I know, I know all y'all are like, no, oh, we love the rain. I'm like, no, make it stop. I want, I want dry and hot. That's what I want. Um, so uh, um, we, uh, we've had a pretty exciting year. Um, today we want to highlight a few of some recent trips. Um, a couple years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but we as a church kind of set out four things that we said, hey, this is where God is leading us um, in, the next, uh, in the next year. And and one of those four was to sit at the feet of the global church and, and to learn. And, and so that was a couple years ago. This year, we've kind of been able to really uh, step into that even more with, with several trips to like Mexico and, and um, other parts of the country. And so we just want to share, um, have the teams from a couple recent trips to come up and, and share with us today because um, we, we really do believe and want to step into um, what is called the Great Commission. That the, when Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of every nation. He said, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all my commands. And, and this was like the sending out moment that Jesus gave to his disciples. And, and that's as true for us today as it was for them, you know, thousands of years ago. And so we're pretty excited to have uh, two trips to share with you today. So up behind me is uh, a recent Santa Marta trip. And so um, if, you, if you would, let's just give them a little bit of encouragement as uh, Christine kind of interviews them. So give them a hand. Well, good morning and Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Um, well, how exciting to get to spend the first day of this year reflecting on God's faithfulness, to get to see a glimpse, and I'm telling you, this is just a glimpse of what God has been doing within our church family. On April 6th through the 12th, I had the privilege of taking a team of 10 people down to Rancho Santa Marta. These are young people that believe God is calling them to mission to kind of get their feet wet and came back from that. And they, some worked out in the um, agriculture, some worked in the school, but coming back from that, after about a few months, um, I want to say in September, Allison was one of those on that team. On that first team, Madison was part of it. Jacob, Allison were on that first team, along with a few others. But Allison came to me and had something on her heart. Can you share what that was? Um, I just, I, the first Mexico trip was awesome, and I'd never been to Ranches Santa Marta before. And um, seeing what they are, the school, the orphanage, and just their hearts for each other. Um, it was awesome, and they kind of just captured our hearts right away. And so um, we felt like family there. And so having so long of a time without seeing them, I was just kind of like, I want to visit our family again. <laughs> and I knew Christine was planning a trip in January for, like, now. But um, I was like, that's too far away. I don't – I'll go then, but I'm also going to go now, and you can't stop me. <laughs> that's pretty much what she said. <laughs> So I uh, was able to get some dates for them. October 27th, they were going to go down and come back on November 1st. And this was really, truly the priesthood of believers that just said, we want to go see our global family. They didn't want to wait. Also included Anna Sandberg um, was on that first trip as well and went on this one. She wasn't able to be here today um, to be up here. And I don't even know if she could be here, if she could get out of the snow. So, but she's here in heart and I have her story. Um, so this trip, the, the, this group of them went down on their own, and God did some really incredible things in your lives, kind of have heard some feedback, and I wanted you guys to get to hear just what God did. Um, and again, you're only going to get a glimpse, so I'm going to challenge you to find any of these young people and talk to them and ask them more because they have a lot 
So, Allison, can you share what God really showed you during that time? Um, it, I was interested to see how the second trip was different than the first. I didn't want to have the same expectations, but I also wanted to anticipate God's work. And so, um, in going into it, I just was going into it praying and just asking that he would um, show me new things and work in my heart in a different way um, than he did before. And he did. Um, they were just two completely different trips, um, but both amazing. Uh, the second trip, I really just felt the peace and comfort of God's timing. And there's been a lot of unknowns and uncertainties, especially last year now, yesterday. Um, and and I, I feel like I went all year just kind of wrestling with God and working with him in a good way on like, what does it really look to trust you in the unknowns and to fully put my faith in you when I see absolutely nothing but the first, the only one step in front of me. And so um, that trip was really cool because we had felt this, I had felt this calling and Anna and I were talking on a Wednesday night and we were just like, we need to see our family. We need to go. Um, and I was like, well, if God wants us to go, we're going to go. And I talked to a few people and all these people and um, it worked out so well. Like the timing of this trip and the fact that everyone could go was amazing. And I, that's nothing less than God, God's work. Um, it was, it was awesome. Just even from the beginning, it was planned in a month and in less than a month we went and just everything there was definitely God's timing and seeing him. Um, I kind of took away from that trip that he doesn't give you what he has for you before or after his timing, um, but exactly at the right moment. Um, and I have to trust that. So moving forward, just kind of believing that um, he, he does have things for me. Um, and I'm seeking after him and wanting to be a part of his mission and building his kingdom. And so um, if I'm doing that and responding in love and obedience each day, um, his timing is just going to be the best option out of all the other options, which are not as great. Um, and then one other thing is just that I've been working through, as I've been working through the uncertainties and unknowns, um, especially this last year, I have just been asking that God would be my one desire um, and my one thing and wanting him to so badly be that, um, but not always feeling like that um, or wanting other things just a little bit more. Um, but maybe just like a month before the trip, I just felt this overwhelming peace, um, kind of that peace that passes all understanding that I don't understand, that maybe the world should say, you should be freaked out or worried about these things or what about these things that you do desire that are good and that God has for people. Um, but I was completely at a place of peace and trust and knowing that, you know what? God is so good and he has never failed me and I expect him to do great things and I want to be a part of those great things. I want to do his work um, wherever he has me, whether that's overseas, globally, locally, wherever I'm at, and he is truly my one desire, and everything else is just a bonus. Um, everything else is just an amazing gift from our Father. Um, so having my king as my true one desire, and he's my one thing, is just, um, it's been a breath of fresh air <laughs> and a relief as I've just continued forward in trusting him. I love that Allison took what God put on her heart and was obedient to come and say, I need to go, and I need to ask people to go with me. Because because of that obedience, God really revealed some things to her, as well as revealed to others here that attended that same trip. Um, there's a thread that I heard from them when I heard their debrief um, of God's timing. And you're so right, it's perfect. Um, and not always what we expect, and maybe even at a point of not feeling like we could even do it. Um, Jacob, can you share what God did in you? Yeah, so these past few years that have all kind of felt like one long year have like been hard for a lot of people and 
were hard for me as like dealing with a lot of really close losses. Uh, I had one of those knock on wood moments where I was like, 2022 is the first year in like five years where I haven't had to go to a funeral. But it was, uh, it was like a really hard spot to be in of like, I obviously when things are in a bad situation, you uh, pray about it. And to feel so constantly of like, I prayed about this and it didn't happen. It was like, I could never argue the power of prayer, but like, my prayer doesn't really, my, and like, it was hard to like, be in a spot of like, struggle in like, a situation where like, I am the uh, director of the elementary, so those kids up here, you guys did great. but, and like feeling like a call to uh, missions, like it's like, I, who am I to be that? I'm just a person struggling with like depression and struggling through these things, why, who am I? And like, that was a thing I was talking about. And on Sunday when we were there, uh, the message that was translated through uh, one of the guys we met there who was an English teacher, um, he, like it was about Moses being called in uh, the desert. And he was just like, he argued with God multiple times. If God was, he, God was like, you, I need you to do this. And he was like, but I'm, I'm not a good speaker. He's like, I'll fix that. And he's like, well, what about someone else? Can't you do, do someone else? He's like, no, I want you. And like Moses argued. Mo- Moses wasn't a perfect person. He wasn't perfect for the job, but... God called him, and he was obedient, and now he is Moses, the person that we all know. He saved, he parted the Red Sea, saved all the slaves in Egypt. Like, he was a nobody who, like, was called by God, and he obeyed, and uh, he wasn't qualified, but God made him qualified. And so it was just a, like, oh... I see what you're doing here, God. You're, you're trying to teach me something. Because to just, like, struggle through, like, I, I, I'm not good enough. I, I'm not qualified for anything. But to, and have that feeling even in this trip of, like, going to Mexico and being like, well, I'm not Allison. Allison planned this whole thing. I'm just here. Like, I'm, I'm not special. But, like, that's not the point. It's nobody here really is special. We are just people following the calls that God put on our hearts and being obedient. And um, so just like, yeah, God was able to meet me right where I was at. And like through that, because through the struggles, it's kind of just like, well, God can't use me. But there were definitely moments there where I was like, okay, even though I'm sitting here kind of like, God could never use me. Like there were moments like, especially like I had a few really good moments with Jake, like God was using me in that trip and God was like, the Holy Spirit was moving through me. And I'm like, okay, like I don't need to be this perfect person in a perfect place. I can be exactly who I am, exactly where I'm at and God can and will use me. So. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Thanks for sharing. So also Allison had reached out and, and Allison Jacob had said, hey, we want to bring Jake and Paige. And it was going to be like a, a Rancho Santa Marta round two, it was named. So it was going to be the same team. And I was like, hey, if that's what God's telling you to do, then do it. So Jake and Paige were able to join the team. And Jake, um, God showed you some pretty important things as well. So why don't you share what he revealed to you? Okay. So like Christine said, I didn't go on the first trip. And timing-wise, they went on the first trip, and then that was before Peru, right? When you guys went? Okay. So they went on their first trip, and then um, I went to Peru that same summer, and that's when I came back. And when I was in Peru, I had realized that I was called to missions, and that's what God had for me. And I was super excited about that, and it was like that like changed my plans for my whole future. Not that I had any crazy plans, but you know, and, but it was really exciting and it was awesome. Um, but then I, I started to struggle because 
I didn't know, like, what, what should I do next? Should I go to a college for missions work? Should I go straight into a global internship? I wasn't sure what my next steps were. And so as I was worried about these big, huge next steps, and I was looking way far into the future, and I was constantly praying for God to give me my next steps, I was thinking he was going to tell me, you know, what to do next year, what to do after I graduate high school. And then on a Monday night at church, Jacob came up to me, and he told me that God had put me on his heart to, and asked me if I could come to Mexico with him this week. And that was God's next step for me. I, it wasn't, you know, the, the answer about college, but he gave me my next step for right now. And so he was giving me my daily bread, which... Um, I, I then realized, like, that God's timing, like how Allison shared and Jacob shared a little bit about God's timing. Um, his timing is perfect, and he gave me what I needed when I needed it, not before. I still don't know for sure what I'm going to do next year, um, but God perfectly gave me the trip to Mexico right when I needed it, and that was his answer to my prayers. Thank you. Yeah, I love that he gives us exactly what we need for the next step, and that builds that dependence. And you said you didn't have crazy plans. Well, I tell you what, God's got some crazy plans. So you can be sure of that. And we're excited to be a part and alongside. So Paige was also someone that um, was invited to this round, too. Um, And God did some pretty precious things in her heart and her life. And so can you share with us what he did? Yeah, I was kind of nervous going into this because I was like, oh, like everyone here at the ranch like knows them already. I'm kind of just like the new person. Um, But I really just bonded with all the kids who were there and the way that they just greeted me with like love regardless of whether they've seen me before or just being new. I was like, that's who Jesus is right there. Like just seeing that the first thing when they did was when we got there, they just like ran out to us and wanted us to play with them. And it was just so welcoming that they didn't really care who we were. They didn't care um, about like status, like anything like that. It was just being greeted with like a love and welcoming heart, just like Jesus does with us. And that was just a really great reminder for me because something I struggle with a lot is just remembering how much God really does care and like love for me and those around me. And just seeing that pure joy and that love was the first thing that they cared about. And that was what they were leading their lives with. That was really just kind of inspiring to me and just seeing that this is at the core of who they are and this is the way I should, that's the way I should be living my life here as well. Being someone to show love to those who, whether they do or don't know Jesus, just displaying that and um, just making that the core of who I am and really living for Jesus and um, being that compassionate person that he was and still is today. Thank you. I'm so glad you got to go on that trip. And as you shared how welcoming they were, they were, they are little image bearers of Jesus' love. And um, I'm so glad that you were welcome with that. I, want, I did want to read what Anna Sandberg sent um, because she, she's been a part of this and is pretty sad she's not here. But she said, going back to Rancho Santa Marta, this time honestly just felt like we were going to visit family. It was so special to be able to build and continue to foster the relationships we built last time when we were there. We were welcomed into homes to share meals and stories with each other. I felt that God really put it on my heart to spend as much time with the kids and the house parents as possible, but also to be super faithful in praying boldly for them after we left. I continue to do so even now months later, and I can't wait until I get to go back and see my brothers and sisters again. I just think that's just a wonderful picture of what it means to be connected to our global family. Um, Madison has, was also on the last two trips, and can you share just what God did? I know, um, if you know Madison at all, she's like 100% in on everything. And um, yeah, why don't you share what he did on this? Yeah, pretty much the same thing as Anna said. I feel like we were just visiting, visiting family. Um, I definitely feel like like those those kids in the corner and um, more from the ranch um, <clears throat> are like my extended family. I already have a whole bunch of siblings, but I am so glad to adopt even more. Um, so <laughs> that was really fun. It just felt like I was like 
going across country just to visit family because um, that's what they are. Um, Rancho Santa Marta, the first time in March, um, I felt like God highlighted three specific areas of um, ministry in my life that I needed to pay attention to when I came back, um, which was my family, my small group of eighth grade girls, and then um, school. I'm at Stan State now, and so on campus and everything, so I get to interact with a lot of people. Um, and when I came back this time, um, I felt like God sat me down in the same spot and said, Madison, I need you to be diligent in your relationship with me. Um, and I need you to kind of slow down. Um, I have taken the idea of missions as my future, um, you know, very excitedly, but God has made it clear that there's a lot of things he needs to do in my heart still um, in order for me to go. So that's definitely in my future, but he's saying to be diligent in what I have here. Um, so I want to be, going forward, I'm trying to be diligent in my relationship with people at school and just my, my relationship with school in general, just being sure that I do homework and go to class and be consistent so that that consistency um, can be reflected in my relationship with Jesus and relationship with people. Um, taking time with my family this, this week, I'm not going to Mexico because I get to spend time with my immediate family, all eight of us which is pretty rare, and so I wanna take that time to be with them intentionally. Um, and I wanna make sure that, you know, going into the new year, like being diligent with my relationship with the Lord, um, not hiding when I have anxiety, not hiding when I have stress, because that's usually what I do, um, but just being raw and open with him and being diligent, um, putting missions kind of on the horizon, but being really focused on what is in front of me here um, which I know some of that. I don't know some of that as well. Um, so, yeah, that he was really, really faithful to be stern but really merciful with what he said in that. Thank you. Um, it's really neat to hear the thread of God's timing, the thread of being present, and that he gives us just what we need for our next step. Um, so it's so exciting to just really truly be alongside this group of young people as well as others that are kind of in this whole group um, as they pursue God. I don't know about you, but I don't know when I've seen a group of young people, a bigger expanded group of young people that are just going for it to chase God, to go where he calls them to go no matter what. And it's just such an inspiration to me. So I am so grateful to know every one of you. Um, I have a lot of FOMO. If you know me, I have FOMO that I didn't get to go on the second trip. But it's such an encouragement to see how these priests stepped into what God called them to do. And they are going to take the next step and the next. And speaking of the next step, this was Rancho Santa Marta round two. Well, there is a round three that's heading out tomorrow that will include Allison, Jacob, Paige, and unfortunately those two are not able to join them, but it's also gonna include Dylan, would you come up here? Dylan Pratt and Jamie Rowe. So this little crew is heading out tomorrow as a group of priests to go to Santa Marta to, um, what is God kind of putting on your plate and our little bits of conversation? Where is he kind of landing you? you? Kind of go in with a little bit of a loose plan and see what God does. So what's the loose plan? There is genuinely nothing planned. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> honest. Um, we, we have now built this relationship with the people that work there, and we've made it very obvious and apparent that we are up for whatever they have. Um, we've done multiple different things, and they know that. So we've had people break manure all day, and we've had people work out in the orchards, <laughs> and we've had people just play all day. We've thrown a party. We've just played with them. We've been in classrooms. So we told them that we are up for really whatever. I am anticipating, though, some really awesome prayer and conversations with the um, families, the house parents and the, and the um, kids. Uh, they are image bearers. And so um, to pray with our family is a gift. And um, that's worship, and that's communion, and I'm just super excited to be able to have those conversations with them. That's awesome, because when you go with a blank slate, guess what? God's got a plan, and just as you're seeing, he's going to reveal it. I love that you have the heart to go, 
to your global family and speaking of prayer we are going to pray for them right now if you would join me as we pray for this team and boy when you see them the next couple weeks make sure you pull them aside and ask them what god did because seriously you're only hearing a glimpse and god is moving big time um i can't wait to see what he holds for all of them but let's pray together god we thank you for what you are doing in the hearts of our young people for what you're doing in the hearts of the people in our church Father, I pray for this team as they go down and head out tomorrow. Will you give them sweet fellowship and conversations? God, will you give them sweet time with you? Because Rancho Santa Marta seems to lend that just a precious spot where they can get time with you as well as time together. God, will you unfold the plan you have for them each day? And Lord, we know that they will be a blessing and an encouragement to our global family there. Thank you that we can send them and pray for them and know that they are going to be priests and priestesses as your hands and feet in loving the Rancho Santa Marta community. So God, use them greatly. We are so grateful that we could worship you by sharing what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. So this was uh, a, a team from Rancher Santa Marta. We have another team that I want to just invite to come up on stage. Um, I think it's important also to notice that um, we have had a decade, decades-long relationship with Rancher Santa Marta. And um, our pace setters have been going down there every January. Well, I don't know if it's every January, but in, in January for a number of, of years to do um, a lot of a lot of work and a, a lot of similar things, and so it's kind of cool to also see an additional trip being added with um, with young people. Um, so, uh, you know, there seems to be, and I'm just throwing this out there, but like we have um, our pace setters, so people 50, 60, and older going, and we have um, our young people in their 20s and younger, and so those of us in our 30s, 40s. Um, I don't know, maybe we need to, as I'm sitting here, I was like, oh, maybe we should, like, take notice to this uh, for a moment. So I don't know if that hit you, but um, I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I'll let you discuss throughout the rest of the year uh, what that means for you. Um, but this, this is a team that just, just got back uh, in um, November. In November, they went to uh, a Middle East region and um, uh, had a, uh, I think, a pretty incredible trip. So um, we, we have, um, you know, when we think of missions, there's a lot of different types of trips um, when, uh, that we typically can take. And so this one was a, a fairly specific one. Um, so Gabe, um, so uh, Gabe, why don't you just take a moment, let's, let's introduce the team, and then um, maybe tell us a little bit about, like, what was this trip, kind of what was this trip about, and where, where did you go? Hi, everyone. My name is Gabe Caligiuri. I'm the pastor of operations here at Crosspoint. Christine Kaufman, director of local and global mission. I'm Darren Kegley. I am one of the deacons here. Just so we're in order, uh, I'm Cody Simar. This is my wife. I'm Vienna Simar. <laughs> I'm Cheryl LaBelle, director of student ministries. Um, so, okay, so Gabe, um, share with us a little bit, like, where did you go and what was kind of the, um, the direction of the trip? Uh, we went a couple of places. We went to a country in the Mediterranean basin, uh, first of all, and second of all, we went to a part of Iraq called Iraqi Kurdistan, which is where the Kurdish people, um, are the majority. Um, and you were asking about going to the Middle East and the importance of it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm really thankful that we got to go on this trip. Um, I've been involved in Middle Eastern missions for a long time. I think it's really important um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, the Middle East is the, um, the theater of the Bible. The beginning, middle, and the end of the Bible happen, not just in Israel, but in the Middle East as a region. When I say the end, there's events leading up to Jesus' return and Jesus' return itself that happen in that region of the world. So I think it's important. We've talked a lot 
about the return of Jesus and, and looking forward to it and preparing our hearts and our minds for that time, part of that process for me is looking towards that region. And I think God is beginning to stir the church across the world, not just here, but I've talked to believers in Latin America that are there in the Middle East, in Asia, called the Back to Jerusalem movement, even from China. And there's a lot of churches in different parts of the world that are looking to that region right now. And secondly, I think it's important because um, one of the things that Paul said to the Corinthians was that he was going to stay where he was and continue working because God had opened a great door of effective work for him where he was. And I think what we see right now in the Middle East is a great door of effective work. This is a part of the world that has been closed to the gospel because of the spirit of Islam for over a thousand years. And it's been very difficult for missionaries to make any kind of headway into that, into that region. And within the last hundred years, and especially the last 10, 15 years or so, God has really shaken, you've probably seen it on the news, really shaken that region a lot. There's been governments that have been falling. There have been um, Islamic movements that have arose. There's been all kinds of things going on related to Israel. And God has been shaking that region in order to open those doors of effective work for us to be able to go in. And I really see now as the time that we can begin to walk through those doors in ways people can even, I, I know I have friends there that say things are happening there that they never could have imagined even five years ago. And the way the churches are growing in that region is amazing. The fastest growing churches in the world, underground churches are in that region of the world. So God's definitely doing something. He's not haphazard about the Great Commission. He's strategic. And I think this is a strategic time for us to be involved there. So um, uh, I, I know that when, um, uh, when, when I, you know, when I or probably a lot of us think and hear about like Iraqi Kurdistan or, or Muslim nations, um, you know, we, we probably come to it from a... a uh, national political viewpoint of of that area. Um, so I, uh, I I know I was considering going on that trip, and and I know when I mentioned it to my my parents and my aunt and uncle were were there, and and their first thing was like, oh, they like hate Americans there, and and why would you go? Like you're you'll, you're gonna die was essentially what they told me. Um, give us give us a little bit of picture of like what what is it. What is it like there for for Christians, for specifically Americans in that Iraqi Kurdistan area? Uh, not what you would expect, um, because most of us, especially here in this country, after the war, we have this image of Iraq as being very radical and very dangerous, and we obviously fought a war there. But um, Iraqi Kurdistan is a very different region, almost in every way. If you get there, if you ever get to go there, and I pray that you do, because it's an amazing place. Um, the geography is different, it's very mountainous. The people there are incredibly hospitable. It's really a country within a country. The Kurdish people were, uh, they're a different ethnic group than the Arabs, and they've been persecuted by all the nations around them for hundreds of years, but really within the last hundred years. They didn't get their own country uh, at the end of the First World War, and they were split between Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria. And all of those nations have persecuted them and committed genocide against them even recently. Some of you probably remember the First Gulf War. Saddam gassed Kurdish villages in the north. We, we have some friends that live through that there. So um, they feel very harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And um, they're very friendly, first of all, towards Americans in general. They're one of the few people groups in the Middle East that want an American presence there, including a military presence. Uh, but even beyond that, um, for even us as believers, not re necessarily representing our country, but representing the kingdom of God to be there, they're incredibly welcoming. And we felt very safe there. Um, there there's problems with the neighbors. There's problems in the neighborhood, so to speak. But in the nation or in the area of Kurdistan itself, they're incredibly hospitable, kind. They'll bring you into, their, into your home or into their home. They'll feed you. They'll talk to you for hours about whatever it is that you're interested to know about them and their lives. Um, and they'll lay down their lives for you if they need to. They're, they're very protective of, of visitors and guests that they have in their homes. Nice. 
Um, Christine, um, we, we heard from the Santa Marta trip, um, a couple of the things that I, I pulled out of that was, you know, they talked about obedience to the Holy Spirit. They talked about um, trusting God, um, being priests, um, being a family. Um, so all those like, you know, Rancho Santa Marta, we have a relationship. There's, there's a lot of reasons why we go there. Um, uh, why, would we, why would we go to the Middle East? How does that fit with our mission and, and who we are and kind of um, being priests? How does that fit with that? Well, how that fits is um, this is our global family. The focus of this particular trip, I was, I was fortunate and privileged to get to go previously as well in March, but to get to go in November, the focus of this trip was really to sit with the workers, our global family, to hear what's going on in their lives, to understand or as best we could hear their weariness, to worship with them, to pray with them. And um, it fits by, that's our global family. It also fits by, these are very humble workers that are serving with their lives. And um, God calls us to be knit together, to worship with them, to pray for them, to intercede for them. Um, and as you know, Gabe mentioned, when it comes to missions, um, the window is being opened as far as in the 10, uh, 1040 window, there is access that has not been there before. And so, you know, Brett, you started with um, the Great Commission when you started to introduce. And I did hear it said it's the great prerequisition to Jesus coming back is that all nations would hear. And there are still, as we've heard lately, Matt shared, um, more unreached people now than there was 10 years ago. So that mission, Jesus's mission hasn't changed. Um, and we are called to go. We are called to send. And sending is a key part also that we need to have heavy on our hearts. So yeah, it fits by what God is doing. And I believe, like you said, um, Gabe, that God has been a, doing a shaking and awakening and um, kind of to realign our eyes on what he's doing and to join him. Can you explain the 1040 window? Yeah. Oh, 1040 is the longitude and latitude. Latitude. La oh, see, I got it wrong. So it's basically 10 latitude, 40 latitude. It's everything basically running from North Africa, across the Middle East, Central Asia, all the way east to like Japan and North Korea. So in that part of the world, there's about 3.5 billion people in the world that don't have any access to the gospel. They don't even know a believer to tell them about Jesus. 85% of those live in that area, that region of the world. More than half the world's population, actually two thirds of the world's population overall lives in that region. So. The, the 1040 window was defined in 1980. And now, 42 years later, we're still talking about the 1040 window. It's not the 530 window. It's not the 020 window. It's still the 1040 window. There's still 7,000 people, groups out in that area that don't sing to Jesus in their heart language. They don't have the word of God in their heart language. And Jesus died to bring all of those people into the kingdom. And there's that vision and revelation that John has of every tribe and nation and language singing in their heart language to him. And so the joy of going to the hard places like the Middle East, and that's why they're the unreached there. That's the hard place. All the easy places have been reached. And really moving forward as the church, I think we have to recalibrate. If we're going to get the job done, if we want to see Jesus come back, he promises this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nation, to, to every people group, and then the end will come. If we want to see him come back, we have to do the hard work. And that's really my generation and my parents' generation maybe didn't do so much of that. And maybe I, it's going to fall to my children's and my grandchildren's generation to do the hard work. And so what are we doing to prepare for that, um, that time and, and count the cost? So, um, you've, you've gone on, on this trip, and I think, you know, um, as we heard from the, the Rancho Santa Marta, it's, it's transformative. It, you, don't, you don't go on a trip 
and then just come back and be like, oh, hey, my life is the same. Um, God does things in us um, just as much as he does things through us in, in that time. So um, hearing from, from kind of the whole team, I'd love to hear um, what is it that God has, has done in you while you were there and, and how has that you know, caused you to live differently as you've, as you've returned? So let's maybe start with, with Shara down there. I'm just going to read some of uh, the notes that I wrote um, upon our return. God taught me a lot on this trip that I think I'll be unpacking for years to come. But there are three things that stand out to me. One is the importance of visiting long-term workers. Two is the significance of prayer and intercession. And three is the power of exalting the name of Jesus in dark places, like what Gabe was saying. I've been on quite a few uh, short-term trips to various places, but um, because the nature of this trip in the Middle East made it much more difficult to connect with the locals, um, it really stood out to me the importance of coming alongside the long-term workers, people that are there full-time, with prayer and with worship and genuine connection that feels like family. We've heard a lot about that today from even the Rancho Santa Marta team, but we experienced that too, the, the felt family. One night we were able to worship together and pray together. And um, after we prayed together, um, we played games together and we danced. We shared dances from different cultures. And it just felt like a sweet family gathering. Christine's referred to it as like a family reunion. And that's really what it felt like. Um, And it really struck me that this is our job to come in person and to talk with the lonely worker and to... um, to hug the weary worker and to intercede for our family who are giving their lives to serve God in the hard and the dark places. My second takeaway was the significance of prayer, worship, and intercession. We spent a few hours every day, morning and night, praying for very specific things and worshiping and reading scripture together out loud and it was beautiful and it was powerful. One day um, I had a dream and there was a demonic presence in my dream. Um, And I was kind of expecting a lot more of that, to be honest, because I get those pretty easily. Um, But this was just the one dream I had. And uh, the demonic presence was attacking the voices of our team in my dream. And um, at the time, there was an illness that was kind of spreading amongst our team that was attacking our throats and our lungs. Um, And I really felt in that moment when I woke up, I wasn't full of fear. Oftentimes when I have those dreams, I wake up in fear, but I was not full of fear. Um, I actually felt like I had a moment of insight into where the enemy was attacking, and uh, it heightened my awareness for the war that we were really waging in the spiritual atmosphere of the place that we were in. Um, Our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world, and prayer and worship really is our weapon. So I saw that they were attacking our voices because we were worshiping, because we were praying and interceding, and it really opened my eyes to how powerful that really was. Um, Which brings me to the third thing that God taught me, which is that there is great power in going to the hard and the dark places and exalting the name of Jesus. Before this trip, uh, I think my prayers are much more focused on asking God for things, um, asking for healing, asking for revival, asking for victories, and none of these things are bad. They're good. He asks us to ask for those things, but I realized on this trip that um, there's also power in just exalting him and just praising him and giving gratitude, and that chains break just by exalting the name of Jesus. Um, Healing happens and victories come just by exalting the name of Jesus and spreading the goodness of his character and who he is, um, and that praise really is our weapon. Well, I think it's it's really important to note that um, being in a Muslim country, it's not, you guys, you couldn't be, like outwardly Christian. It's not like you were running, you know, VBSs and things like that. It was, um, but what makes you family, hearing both from you guys and from the other trip, what makes us family is Jesus. Doesn't, it's not who we live with or who our nationalities are or, you know, if we're same, from the same country or community, but really to say that we were with family of people you hadn't met, but Jesus was the thing that made you family, I think is super cool to hear. Um, Vienna, how about you? Yeah, so I think even probably from listening to Gabe, there is just so much to learn. The history is just so rich in this region, and 
we went and it really was a privilege just to to be there and to witness what God was doing there and to hear from some of the workers of like the history and like referring back to the Bible and just we kept joking like it was like a fire hose of information and I came home and it was just like a sense of a little bit of overwhelm I remember like almost not wanting um to come to church that Sunday I was like I just don't know how to answer the question of like well how did your trip go (laughs) yeah and I was like um well like I have like one minute because my kids are going around and like I don't know how to like put it into words um And so, yeah, I just felt like I was like, okay, I want to like remember all these things. Like, Lord, I want to, I want to be able to like dwell on these things and and remember. And then it was just the other side of like this extreme heartache um, for the people there and the people we met. We um, to put to put faces to names. I felt myself being like in almost in this like downcast when we were there. It was just, there was just this heaviness and I felt like I brought that back with me. And so I just kept asking the Lord, like, God, please give me the the words to say, Lord, or, or please help me with like encouragement. Like what, what does, what do my brothers and sisters back home here in Modesto, my, my family, my friends, like what do they need to hear, Lord? Like, help me because I'm, I'm struggling to like find the words and put together all these things. And, um, I just kept praying that. And, um, he just, it is almost like I started like talking to different people and like maybe going more in depth. And like, I had this sense of like rejoicing and I was like, Lord, where is this coming from? Like, I haven't really felt this. And I just like started talking about it more and I felt like this rejoicing and it kind of made me think of, um, Isaiah 55, like his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. They are so much higher. Um, and so I think he was just revealing some things to us, um, his promises. Um, there was two different, um, well, we got to talk to the workers a lot, but there was two different times where things just really stood out to me. Um, one of the workers, uh, we kind of went on this mountainous region and we looked over this area um, where this refugee camp was with thousands of people. They had been there a long time. Children were being born and brought up in this in this camp. And he was saying some of the brightest minds in the world working for government agencies for the UN are here and they are they are trying to find a solution and, and nobody has anything. Nobody has a solution. And he said, there's, there is literally, there's one answer and one solution, and that is Jesus and everything he has to offer. And just like in that moment, I thought like, it really, it really is that simple. And I, and I wholeheartedly believed him. Um, and also like, and I, it just made me think of like how many problems just like we all have and, and just like we have yeah, our own thoughts and our own solutions. And it just made me think like, there really is one answer, and it's Jesus and, and everything that he has to give us. Um, and then I think Matt mentioned something last week. There was another worker um, we met with, and he was just talking about um, kind of what they were doing in their region. And then he just said, like, we, like, I'm telling you right now, like, we do not want your money. Like, we want to rely on the Lord. Like, we don't want to have this abundance of money because then we don't rely on the Lord. What we want from from you um, and from the Western Church is we want your intimacy with Jesus. Um, pray, um, fast, um, give, and he said, and share God's heart. God's heart is not. He said, God loves Isaac, his chosen people, the Jewish people, but he also loves Ishmael. And that, you know, we were the Muslim, Muslim people. Like he, he deeply, deeply loves them. Um, so yeah, I think just kind of coming home and working through it, um, of just like still having um, the heartache uh, for that region and just everything that they've been through, but also like having this rejoicing because like the light always overcomes the darkness. Um, so yeah, I just, I kept just kind of going through scripture and like the Lord promises so many things. And um, I just wanted to end with Revelation um, 7, 9 through 10. Um, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And 
that I think is what this sense of like rejoicement has come from. Um, I think the workers there are, it is so apparent that the spirit is working um, through those workers, that they are laying the foundation for Jesus' name to be exalted there. And I think just what a beautiful, glorious day it will be um, when his name's exalted in that region. Amen. Um, wow. It's all of what they've shared. You know, Shara, you shared that scripture that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And for me, I think I came back, you know, even the second time with a really deep conviction of that. Um, the, and there is a grip, I would say, on that part of the world. You know, we've heard uh, from the front here from Matt that, you know, it, it talks about the Prince of Persia over that part of the world. And it's been a grip since almost the beginning of time. And I feel like that grip is being loosened. And what propels that, I believe, is interceding in prayer and worship and fasting and calling out to God. So coming back from this, um, they are laying that foundation. The amazing thing is the favor that God is giving to his people, though they're few, like the amazing favor he's giving and opening doors is just mind-blowing. Um, one, also, we had a conversation with a pretty prestigious gentleman, Kurdish man. Um, and, you know, as you were talking about uh, what we wanted to take back, he said, um, go back and what you need to tell your people is we don't want their money. We want their love. And so this is a man that is Muslim, and he loved us. And to see the amazing favor and the relationships that are happening right now with some very, um, you know, prominent people, influential people, God is working in amazing ways. I never would have thought I would be sitting in a room and hearing these kinds of conversations. So taking that back, I have a, a strong conviction that we need to be praying, interceding, and that's part of holding the rope. Holding the rope isn't just a, you know, a, a get an email once in a while and pray. It is praying. It is feeling that tug on your heart, and maybe you don't know who's in that part of the world or another part of the world that needs prayer, but you respond and you pray. And it is leveraging everything we have. It is going it is answering that call because, again, do we want Jesus to come back? Like, that is hastening him to come back. So I came back with that just kind of a, a realignment and conviction. Um, we, you know, like I said earlier, we have a lot of young people that God is moving in this place and in other places and calling people to go. And we need, if we are the ones that are sending that comes with tremendous responsibility and a measurement investment in the going. And so we need to be pursuing Jesus 100% to find out what that is. I do want to share the scripture that comes to mind for me when I came back is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So I, when I think about that cloud of witnesses, this is talking about, you know, in the faith chapter, all the people that have gone before us, but there is a cloud of witnesses among the Middle East, that are up to their neck. It feels like you're walking in mud. You know, we, we talked about just the spiritual felt battle. It really feels that way. But knowing that people are with them, people are praying, and people are going is so encouraging. It really, truly, I came back with relationships that are family to me now, which is amazing. So... Yeah, God, God put a lot on our heart, and he's just getting started. Um, I, uh, Gabe 
I'm gonna give you one last one last chance here to share on that. Like, what is what has God done, kind of in you and and while you were there, and now that you're back, um, wrap it up for us. A couple of things, uh, just to kind of echo what Christine said. Um, God laid on my heart uh, even before we went this idea of the body of Christ and its different parts being knit together, almost like Psalm 139, as God knits a child together in its mother's womb. I believe God's knitting the body of Christ together. And as we get closer and closer to difficult times that precede the coming of Jesus, I think we're going to need to have that kind of um, knitting together and union together that we don't have right now. So missions is going to start to look a little different. Um, and I think it was a great opportunity for us to be able to go and be with the field workers and to be with the field on the uh, people on the ground. And it's, we're, we're not going to be able to accomplish the Great Commission just by sending checks and having back offices make phone calls to each other. You know, it's going to be the parts of the body knitting together on the ground, supporting one another as we see the church interacting with each other in the book of Acts and supporting each other. So it was great to see a small uh, taste of that, a foretaste of that on this trip. And um, I think always, when you, whenever you're in that part of the world, you just have this sort of heightened awareness and, and almost like a, a wartime mentality um, where you're praying harder, you're, you're paying attention more, your, your senses are a little heightened. And Coming back from that, God just reminded me that um, it's not just the Middle East, that there's principalities and powers over every nation, including our own. And just because I feel more comfortable here, and I speak the language here, and I'm, I grew up here, doesn't mean that there isn't also a war being fought in the heavenly realms here. And we, we found a special kind of sanctuary every day in our, we called it the upper room. It was an upstairs room in the team house where we would pray and, and worship God. As you can hear the call, the Muslim call to prayer going off in the mosques all around us. And it felt like, like we had this little island of the presence of God there, this little beachhead. And we would drive in the car and there's all this poverty and, and, um, and grief around us in that region, and yet we're, we're worshiping God with the radio on and worship songs playing. And God just really convicted me when I came back. You know, I might listen to whatever, oldies or whatever on the radio, and God really convicted me. Gabe, you need to build those little islands, those little beachheads here too, in your car, in your home, wherever, wherever it may be that you go, that same heightened awareness that you had there, you need to bring that back with you here. That's not just for a week. That's a lifestyle of living wherever you go. So that to me was the biggest lesson. Um, going to that region is always a wake-up call for me, um, and it's why I love to go. And um, it's, it's a hard region, but it is it definitely does mature you. And the people that you meet there, the believers that you meet there, the field workers are the most mature Christians I've ever met. So I'm always uh, impressed by them, and I'm just thankful to be a part of what they're doing. Yeah. Let's... Um I think that's a, that's a great point, talking about like the beachhead and, and the moment like now. I think, I think it's appropriate for us to take a moment right now to just um, collectively, as a body of Christ, pray for those field workers, whether it's the Middle East field workers or, you know, we have global staff all over in, in Slovenia and in Costa Rica and, you know, the UK and Cambodia and, and like all over. And, and I think it'd be appropriate if we just maybe just take a moment um, where you're at, just maybe just take a moment and pray and then... Um, share after like I don't know a couple couple things. Do you want to you want to close this time up with a little prayer? Okay, let's let's just take a moment and pray for those field workers. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we exalt you in this place. We just declare that you are the king and um, 
God, we just pray for our family all across the globe right now that are in places all over the world that are saying the same thing, exalting you and declaring you as king. Jesus, we pray that you would increase their prayer life. God, we pray that you would strengthen their marriages. God, we pray that you would keep them healthy. God, we pray that you would keep them bold. Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand in the gap for them, Lord. I pray that you would wake us up in the middle of the night with names and faces of people maybe we don't even know, God. I pray that you would speak in dreams all over the world, Lord, and that you would wake up our hearts to be burdened for the workers and for those who don't yet know you. God, I pray that you would reveal to us the places of our lives where we have been complacent in this mission. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts to have compassion and an urgency to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth, Lord, so that we can see your returning, so that we can see all nations bowing down and singing, holy, 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 God. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Thank you.